And welcome to the Rise of Dragons podcast. My name is Robert Blanchard, but my friends call me Bobby. And Bobby has been absent for a while. And I'm very sorry about that. But um, as some of you know, I suffer from severe depressive disorder and anxiety disorder. And I kind of overworked myself a little bit with, you know, actual work and the podcast, and YouTube, and everything else that was going on. So I had kind of decided that I needed to take a little bit of a break. And uh, the week after I took a break, I I accepted more hours uh, from a different place so that I could earn more money for Christmas. And then the week after that... Um, we had to let someone go from where I was working. So I was working even more hours. So um, a week break turned into two, two turned into three. And it just, it, it got overwhelming. So I had to step back for a little bit, but I'm back now. And once again, I'm very sorry that I was gone for so long, but we are back. For the Rise of Dragons podcast. And this is episode 12 of the podcast. And when I was trying to decide what I wanted to do for a topic, uh, I was kind of flipping through The Cry of a Raven, the third book. And I came across this part and I was I found myself reading it. And I was intrigued <laughs> by my own writing. I'm aware that it's my own writing, but... I'm I'm reading it and I kind of thought, well, this will be a cool thing to talk about, I think. So, like I said, we are in A Cry of a Raven, the third book, probably about halfway through. And what has happened is uh, Aiden and the Knights of Iskandor have held a council in Delmar with all the leaders of the different countries. And Sirak has basically retreated to his stronghold in Min Lenoris. And he now has probably about 100,000 Thalor. And he's also formed an alliance with the Minotaurs, the Ogres, and the Goblins. So Aiden has called this summit to try to unite the countries of the world together against Sirak, knowing that he's going to need all the help that he can get. The summit goes fairly well. There are a couple hiccups in there, but... Uh, Overall, it's pretty well received, and afterwards, Aiden is summoned by Queen Westland and King Park of Bolton. And Aiden has a little bit of history with Bolton, because in the first book, uh, Norvin was leading this 
uh, kind of scouting party mission against Bolton, who was looking to start a war with Delmar at the time. And that campaign basically turns into a mission of Norvin's to have Aiden killed because Aiden is gaining too much influence and he's getting too popular. Aiden is sent out on a mission, a kind of, uh, you know, I don't know if <laughs> this is so bad. Uh, this, this mission with Norvin was basically a scouting mission, but Norvin sends Aiden and six other soldiers on, you know, basically a reconnaissance mission for the scouting mission. And they basically end up facing the entire Bolton army because Norvin knew where they were, but he lied to them about where they were. He just basically, supposedly the mission was to get Aiden to, you know, scout out the army and see what they were dealing with. And they end up basically face to face with them. And a fight ensues and Aiden is the sole survivor and, Commander Hardlow of the Bolton Army stops his soldiers from going any farther because he basically can kind of see what's going on here. Like, no one in their right mind would have sent such a small group directly to where the army was. So Hardlow spares Aiden, and the two gain a, a modicum of respect for each other. So... Hardlow is there at the summit, and he's basically a part of this whole thing. And by the way, the, the spoiler rating on this episode is going to be 5 out of 5. I'm basically telling you what's going on here. So Hardlow is in with Queen Wesselin and King Parrick at this meeting when they summon Aiden to have a private discussion after the summit. So when Aiden arrives at the room where the king and queen are staying, there's a guard there who insists on taking... Aiden's weapons and King Parrick yells from inside the room that that won't be necessary you know he knows that Aiden is not going to come in there and basically try to assassinate him but Aiden hands his short swords and dagger over anyway so Aiden hands over his weapons and then he says if those are missing when I come back so you will be and the guard's eyes go wide and he says yes sir and Parrick says, that wasn't necessary. I'm confident you're not here to murder us. Of course, your majesty, I replied. I just felt like if it would put your guards more at ease, then it was better that it was better if I do so. And Parrick jokes that then you damn near scare the armor off of him with your warning. And Aiden says, point taken. And Aiden has had a little bit of wine before he attends this meeting. And the king notes that Aiden's eyes are red. Aiden admits uh, very timidly that he has had some wine. And uh, Parrick says, this early in the day? <laughs> Aiden says, I don't make a habit of it, I promise. And he's basically pleading with them at this point. Because he, obviously, he's still trying to gain their favor. And this does not do him any favors. But both king and queen are, you know, understanding and they kind of wave it off a little bit. And Queen Westland jokes that uh, the king has been known to imbibe every now and again. So Parrick basically says to Aiden, basically, that he has a few things he wants to clear up. And Aiden says, such as, and Parrick says, is this really necessary? And Aiden is confused, and Parrick says, 
Never in history has one man asked for the help of so many armies against a single force, not even in the age of the Minotaurs. I just find it difficult to believe. Surely this Sirach and this Therlor cannot be this powerful. And Aiden responds by saying, Your Majesty makes a mistake in underestimating Sirach. The one and only time I fought him, I couldn't even lay a finger on him. His magic is powerful and he always seems to be a step ahead. And the Therlor, they're like the undead, only intelligent. Hacking off a limb will not stop them. They will keep fighting no matter what. Plus the Minotaurs, the Ogres, and the Goblins. I need all the help I can get, Your Highness. And a bit of a side note here. When people talk about the Minotaurs being involved, uh, they're very uh, surprised by this. Because unlike Ogres and Goblins, Minotaurs are actually very intelligent. And they're not usually one to uh, combine their forces or team up with anybody. And it's been explained that Sirach has tricked the Minotaurs. He offered them a magical rune that would make them more powerful, which it does. But it also forces them to follow Sirach's orders. So the Minotaurs have been tricked. And that's why they're grouped into this battle to make Sirach's forces even stronger. So King Park explains that he's already heard Aiden's tale, but he asks Aiden to tell him again in his own words, which Aiden does. And then Queen Westland says, what's your stake in this, Lord Aiden? And I'm going to read directly from the book here. I frowned at her in confusion. Queen Westland? I don't mean to make assumptions about you, Lord Aiden, she said, but you don't strike me as the kind of man that cares much for the world. After all, the world hasn't been that kind to you. So, what's your stake in this? Why are you so desperate to save a world that has done little to help you? I opened my mouth to respond, only to find, to my horror, that nothing came out. I had no answer for her. Nothing I could think of to answer her question. And the more I hesitated, the more my anxiety got the best of me. I thought desperately of something to tell them. Anything. Even if it wasn't true only to clamp my mouth shut. A lie wasn't going to do the trick here, and it wasn't the way to earn their trust, not to mention I wasn't very good at lying anyway. Just tell us what's on your mind, Aiden, Parik said, nodding in encouragement. I sighed. It is true that I don't think much of the world. If men, elves, and dwarves want to kill each other on the battlefield over some crops, that's none of my business. But what Sirak is doing stealing the souls of innocent people to create his perfect world, it goes beyond anything the world could do to itself. War, that's natural. No one ever wants to admit that, but it is. War has been around since the beginning of civilization. This, however, is unnatural. I was alarmed to find that tears were forming in my eyes, but I didn't care anymore. If the king and queen found me to be weak, it was too late now, between the crying and the wine, to do anything about it. All my life, I went on, I dreamed of being a knight, a goal I never got to achieve. When I was younger, of course, it was about the thrill of battle, the excitement. As I got older, I realized that the true purpose of a knight was to help the people. That ideal became so much more important to me than any trivial, fleeting feeling of excitement. The Knights of Iskandor, our purpose is helping the people of the world, not gathering gold. That's always been our mantra and will always be. If there's any situation where people needed help, 
This is it. Queen Wesselin's eyes were misted over, and it looked as if she was ready to cry right along with me. I could have stopped there, but I felt like I had one more thing to add, if nothing else but for full disclosure. It is also true that when I came back to Delmar, the only person I wanted to save was Garridan, and I ended up saving everyone but him. I'm not entirely sure if I believe in the gods or not, but if they exist, I believe they were punishing me, because my purpose wasn't what it should have been. If that's true, then Garrett had to pay the price for that. I don't know what else I can do to make that right, other than what I'm already doing. Queen Wesleyan was now sobbing. King Park reached over and put his hand on top of hers to comfort her. I felt awful, though I wasn't sure why. I was just being honest, after all. But I never did like seeing anyone cry, especially a woman. I'm sorry, Queen Wesleyan. No, no, Lord Aiden, don't apologize, the Queen said wiping her eyes with a silk handkerchief. It's just, it would have been very easy for you to simply say, I want to help the people, or it's not right. But to open yourself up like that to people you only just met an hour ago, it shows a lot about who you really are as a person underneath your strange appearance. I smiled a little, appreciating the statement. I have nothing to hide, your majesty. Clearly, Westland replied with a smile of her own. King Park stared at her for quite a while, deep in thought. Then he turned back to me. Sir Garridan was a good man. May his soul rest easy. He was quiet again, and then with another look toward his wife, he said, We will help you, Lord Aiden. You have no idea how hard it was to contain my elation in that moment. It took everything in my being to not jump up and down like a fool. I did, however, sigh in relief. Thank you, Your Majesty. Don't thank me yet, King Park said. There's a condition. Anything, King Park, I replied. You have to win, the king said. You have to save those people. I nodded in return. I never make promises I can't keep, your highness. But I will save those people, or I will die trying. King Park nodded evenly. Go assemble your knights while we assemble our army. I turned to leave, nearly forgetting to bow in my excitement. I couldn't wait to get outside so I could jump up and down like a fool. Just as I reached the door, I heard Parrick say, You have something to say, Commander. Speak freely. Yes! Commander Harlow yelled in elation. Thank you, my king and queen. We will not fail you. I smiled as I left the room. And that was the end of Chapter 2 of Book 2 of The Cry of a Raven. I remember... Man, I was I was so excited to write that third book, to write The Cry of a Raven, because it was the culmination of everything that I had been working toward. And the story and the ending had been in my mind for years, and I was just dying to get it out on paper. And it was so amazing to finally be able to do so. And I'm so happy with how everything came out. Um, it came out basically as I envisioned it would. And, you know, I don't know how other authors feel about reading their own work, and I generally don't do it a whole lot. But when I go back and read the end of the book, it's just so satisfying to me. Um, it was everything I could have dreamed for in a story, and and I can't wait to move on to the next series, but... 
the next series in the Roar of a Dragon series. Let me be clear on that. But I have a book that I have to finish first. And it is a zombie apocalypse book. Right now it's entitled All We Have Left, but that title is likely to change. And I have finally been going through and looking over the story, um, making edits and stuff like that. But I'm only about halfway through and I need to finish it. And I promised the boys that I would finish it because I put them in the book. And so that's very important to me. I mean, I am itching to write the next part of Aiden and Iskandor's story. But this has to come first. So once I get that done, I will be on to the next series. And I'm very excited to see where it goes. I, obviously, I have a lot of ideas. But... You know, it'll be very interesting to see how everything pans out and where everything ends up in the end. Because, as many of you authors know, plans tend to change while you're writing. And things can end up going in a way that you don't expect. And sometimes that's the most fun part about the job. And that was episode 12 of the Rise of Dragons podcast. I want to thank everyone for listening, uh, wherever you may be listening to this um, I want to thank everyone for the support and the love and uh, I got a lot of that during the weeks I was off um, it was pretty clear I was worn down and stressed out and all of that and I can't really say that I'm fully over it right now but I am in a better position than I was and this work is very important to me as I said before I love doing the podcast and you know, I definitely don't want to end it anytime soon. So, you know, I'm back on it now. And I think I said last time I was going to do everything in my power to keep things more, you know, consistent. And I will try to do that again. But, uh, you know, things are looking pretty good right now. So, you know, even as we're heading into the Christmas season and, you know, things are going to get crazy and busy, you know. Uh, my work is never far from my mind, and neither are any of you who may be listening. So I really appreciate that. Um, go to robertblanchardbooks.com if you're interested in the books. You can read the first three chapters of each book there for free. Um, if you want to hear more about them, this is the Rise of Dragons podcast, and this is the place to do so. I'm kind of doing the uh, the outro that I always do on my YouTube videos. <laughs> so that's where that's coming from. Um, if you want to visit my YouTube channel and go watch some hopefully funny, wacky stuff, uh, it's at Bobby's World 2110. Uh, a new episode of the Dark Souls 3 No Essence run, episode 24, went up this past week on Monday. So check that out if you're interested. You can visit my link tree uh, at Bobby's World 2110. You will find YouTube pages for all of the books, my author profile, and a YouTube page for this very podcast. So all of that is up there, plus a lot more, plus the link to robertblanchardbooks.com. And that is pretty much going to do it. So I hope everyone has a great day, a great week, a great month. Uh, be well, stay safe, and always be positive and love each other because, as I've always said, there's just not enough of that in the world. So thank you all so much for listening, and... I love you guys, and I will see you back here next week. Take care, guys.